Lord, we pray that you would uh, open our ears and open our eyes to experience you here this morning through your word, Lord, and through this table. Uh, lead us in this place, but also meet us in this place, Father. In Christ's name, amen. You can have a seat. If you have a Bible, uh, turn to Colossians chapter 1. We've been going through this series. Oh, you can leave it right there, guys. That's all we need. Thanks. Rock the frame. I love it. Actually, I've been thinking, we've been doing this series on framing your life with hope. And, uh, you know, I, I just wish I had a cooler name for it. Framing your life with hope. It's just too long. Like, I was thinking, like, we were talking, I, I can say it, that, you know, hope is our dope. No? Okay, that stinks, I know. Or I was thinking about a picture of a Twinkie that was busted open, and we could have writing, writing in the little cream, hope is the good stuff in the middle. Okay, well, y'all come up with a better one then. Hope is our soap, and some of these people need to shower. Trust me. Thank you. Well, we, we talked last week um, about the journey of violently, aggressively pushing our lives into the frame of hope. We've been talking about how beauty needs a frame. It needs a context in which to set it uh, in its place so that we can recognize and honor it. And such is our lives. How are we framing our lives? Because our lives matter. And it matters what you frame your life with. And so last week, if you were here, Renee came up on the stage and we talked about uh, how successful we were in the first five years of our marriage of failing. We were successful failures. And how Lord, the Lord allowed us to push our marriage into the frame of hope through discovering God's will, through all spiritual wisdom, and through understanding. Um, and I just want to thank you guys for just the sweet kindness you've given Renee because she is really gutsy and brave and that was awesome you coming up last week. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, y'all. She was cute too. So, let's read on. And we're in, for, we're in Colossians 1, verse 9. For this, very, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life that's worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. So let's stop there and let's meditate on that for a few moments before we come to the table. What does it mean when he says, live a life worthy of the Lord? Actually, if you have a different version of Scripture, or if you went to the original Greek, it would not be live your life, it would be walk your life or walk in such a way that's worthy of the Lord. And we need to hear this, that hope needs legs. That our hope needs to grow some legs so that we can walk in the hope that we're framing our lives with. You know, because if hope never leads to living in hope, it's no hope at all, is it? Last night, I was up at the office and doing some fine-tuning on this uh, Sunday. If you've never been to our offices, it's like this 80-year-old building that has lots of creeks and 
closets and so I'm there and uh, you know I've got my music going and I hear these doors slam in the building now every part of the building is two-story is dark and um, so I go hello anybody there you know and so I turn my music up because I believe if somebody's broken into the building and I just turn up the music they'll go away if I can't hear it it's not real so I start walking through the building opening doors and turning on lights hello you know because that's how you talk to an axe murderer when they're broken in and they're seeking to chop you into little pieces you know because if you act timid they won't hurt you I don't know I had tremendous hope I was hoping I wouldn't run into anybody and I was hoping if I did run into somebody that they would be smaller than me and they were looking for mafiosos all right <laughs> now that's a hope that's kind of tied to wishful thinking and it's funny how my fear got really tied to that wishful thinking and how we can do that in our own lives but the hope that we're talking about is not wishful thinking our hope is a certain hope our hope is in something that we know we have put our faith on that this is coming to pass that our God is faithful he's worthy of a hope that we can walk in because what he promised is sure you see the difference Emily Dickens Dickinson said this hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without words and never stops at all that beautiful living in hope or letting your hope grow legs is dancing to that tune that is singing in our soul that the Holy Spirit is saying listen that this is how Hebrews 6 put it and it was before Emily Dickinson came along we want each of you to know this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure listen to what he says we do not want you to become lazy or sluggish but to imitate those through who through faith and patience inherited what had been promised their hope was sure in what was promised because the promise maker is a sure promise maker our God is a true God who when he promises he delivers and that's where our hope is so we don't become lazy or sluggish our hope grows legs and we walk in that hope so what does this mean this word worthy actually what it means is if you can imagine a scale that's used to determine the value of something and worthy means that what is on one side of the scale is equal to the other side of the scale that it is balanced now grasp this for a minute because Paul is saying I want you to walk in a way that's worthy of the Lord that your walk that your life that the way you're living your life is of same value as that of Jesus Christ you got to be kidding me now let's be careful here because this is where hope stumbles because if you're like me when you hear that that our lives need to be of, of equal value in the way that we're walking to that of the Lord if I'm gonna be honest with myself if if I hear the words I'm to live or walk in such a way that pleases the Lord not just some of the time but it said in every way you gotta be kidding me when I hear that stuff that doesn't birth legs of hope in me 
that cripples me and puts me in a wheelchair of if I look in the mirror, the reality of my life is more grieving and disappointment. I mean, I'm not sure that if I measure my life up to that of the Lord's, that it's worthy. I mean, last week you guys heard about Renee and I and our struggle in marriage. But let me let you in on, a, on a, something else. I mean, think about those of you here this morning that are parents. From little kids to all those that are here because your kids are in college. Do you feel like that your parenting has been worthy of the Lord? There is nothing that brings you in more touch with the mortality of who you are and the limitations of your ability than parenting. And the older you get as a parent, it's crazy because you, more and more you think about, man, all the stuff I should have done that I didn't do, all the stuff I shouldn't have done that I did, all the things that I wish I would have delivered that I didn't deliver on. I mean, as parents, there is a lot of regret. There's a lot of fear that can sneak in. There's a lot of understanding of our own limitations that tear at us. And sometimes late at night, they haunt us when we feel like that we have failed the very people that we say that we love the most in this world. And yet they're the ones that sometimes get the worst part of us. You know, and it's crazy trying to be a good parent. All my boys are off to college now, and I live in an all-girl household now. And uh, I'm beginning to understand the limitations of my ability to be a parent. Uh, dinner has moved from this, how fast can I eat with my boys? Uh, you know, we inhaled food, got up and went on with the day, to now dinner is about a two-hour affair. And I'm realizing what imprints of wicker on your tail end can look like, you know, from my chair. <laughs> our record in every area of our life, if we are honest, falls short of saying that my walk is worthy to that of Jesus Christ. If we had more time this morning, we could dive into it. But let me just say this. Because that's true, here's the stumbler of hope. It's easier for me to say about church and about God and about religion and about all the stuff that we're talking about, yeah, but. And shame begins to sneak in. And when shame sneaks in, here's the attitude that we begin to take. That I am a stepchild for the kingdom of God. I really am. That I just, I don't measure up. And so going to church is a real pain in the wicker. All right? If you, that's the best. All right. And because, why? Because why do I want to come to church and be reminded constantly of how far I'm falling short of this standard that God has that my life should walk equal to that of Jesus Christ? Shame begins to sneak in and it starts to tell us things and it starts to give us new names and it starts to give us new identities and it starts to give us new words. And we begin to shape our lives around those things and we start to adjust our lives to a limp in our walk or we adjust our lives to living in a wheelchair with no legs because our hope has exited and now we're just managing our lives in what seems to be hopelessness because if I take time to look in the mirror, it doesn't give me any hope. Well, I just want to say this before we come to that. Well, stop that. Stop it. Because in essence, what you're doing when you do that is you're looking in the mirror and you're saying, I'm my hope. And the scripture, scriptures teach us that we are not our hope. Hey, trust me, there's not many people in this room that are putting their hope on you. Why do you do it? There's a much better way. 
Let me explain. In Revelations chapter 5, it's a beautiful picture of the throne room of God. And there are angels there and creatures of heaven. And they're, they're singing songs to Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And then there's a scroll that's brought out and the question and tears and is who is worthy to open the scroll? Is there anyone that's found worthy? And all throughout this chapter, Revelation chapter 5, what's being said is Christ is worthy. Jesus is worthy to open up the scroll. He is the worthy one. And this is where it gets really good. Listen to Revelation, or Romans chapter 3. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law. Now let me stop there and explain what that means. A righteousness, a purity, a holiness, a rightness in every category of our lives has now been presented that is different from the law. Meaning the law is, here's what you do to be right. If you don't do this, you're wrong. Right and wrong. Now a rightness has appeared that's outside the rules. To which the law and the prophets testify, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. In other words, because of Jesus Christ, the work he did on the cross, what we're about to celebrate at this table, he gives us his worthiness. He applies his righteousness to our account. Hebrews chapter 10. Here I am, I've come to do your will, are the words of Christ. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Did you hear that? We have been made holy. That the story of the gospel is that Christ came and he lived a perfect life. And when he died on the cross and then he rose again, those of us that are in Christ rose with him to newness of life. And this newness of life that we've been raised to now is a life that has been made worthy because of the work and the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with what you've done. You get this? He's applied it to our account. How? Through faith. Let me explain. In Colossians chapter 2, if you went over just one more chapter, to verse 6, it says this, So then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live in him. How did we receive him? We received him by faith. Here's what's remarkable, is that Christ is giving us the free gift of worthiness through his work on the cross. He also gives us faith, which is the supernatural ability to be able to receive the gifts that he's given us. Now, some of you that have parents here this weekend, parents, we love you. And I hope that they took you to some outrageously expensive restaurant last night. Did they? Okay, parents, we'll talk later. But I can almost guarantee you that when the check was brought to the table, that that parent didn't look up and say, yeah, we're going to need to divide that up. And I bet you money that, well, some of you, if you did, you were my hero. They'll take care of it, all right? Just give it to them. Because we as students, I've been in this position before, when we go to dinner with our parents, there is an assumed understanding. You are paying for it. Even when I'm 50 years old and I go to dinner with my mother, she's paying for it, all right? And there is a freedom in ordering when you're with your parents that is unlike any other season in your life. 
You know, when, when your parents aren't here, you know, you're, you're going to Baja Burrito and you're thinking, hey, could we split a big burrito with your buddies, you know? Yeah, what do you like on yours? All right, you know, it's free drinks. Let's just get one and refill it for the whole table. Gotcha. But when you're with your parents, it's like, yeah, tell me how fresh is the lobster, you know? And you know, and you have a supernatural ability to receive from your parents, don't you? You have no hesitation about it whatsoever. You're like, bring it. You know, when your parents say, well, can we take you grocery shopping before we leave? Yes, you can. <laughs> In fact, I'm gonna stay here and play Xbox and you just go to the grocery store for me, shall you? <laughs> and you laugh about that, but what if that was true spiritually? What if God said, the thing that is hindering your walk with me is that you don't believe that I'm that good? In fact, the greatest hindrance to your relationship with me right now is the shame that is keeping you from believing that the many gifts that the Father wants to pour on you, first and foremost being that He has made you worthy and righteous in Christ and through His work, that all that flows after that you are hesitant to receive because you do not believe that God is that good. I have a dog. He is no ordinary dog. He is brilliant and white and about this big. <clears throat> and it's funny because uh, when our dog gets out of the fence, our whole neighborhood knows that Buck is out. I mean, it's hard to miss him. He's like, you know, the, a bear, a polar bear is in the neighborhood on the loose. And so we drive around, and when we find Buck, we're so excited because we love our dog. He belongs to us. I mean, he is our possession. He is not a member of our family. We own him. Okay, let me just make that clear. Although there are gifts under the Christmas tree for him. I don't understand that. But when we see Buck, Buck! We're so excited. Hey, we found you. And he's all dirty, you know. And he's just, I've just been playing in the neighborhood, you know. And just <laughs> having a great time. And, but when he sees me, do you know what he does? He doesn't jump up and give me high five. You know, my master. You know, he doesn't do that. My dog, when he sees me, falls to the ground and turns over on his back. Because even my dog knows what shame is when he's done the wrong thing. And my dog has an impossibility, it's an impossibility for my dog at that moment to receive the excitement of my love that I have found my dog. Because what it expects is, you were displeased with me, and I know that I got out and I shouldn't have gotten out, and if you'd have known what I've been doing for the last two hours, you'd be upset with me. walking in the hope that we have been made worthy. That we have been made worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ and because we have been made worthy, all the promises of God are yes for me in Christ. All of them. So what's up, if that's true, what's up with this pleasing Him in every way? This is great. Do you know it's insanity to live outside of that which is not true? Do you know if this morning you came up to the table and you said, I need prayer because I hear garden gnomes talking to me. We would say, you need help. That's not normal. 
that's outside the realm of what we consider normal. Sin or unbelief really is temporary insanity because we are walking a walk that is not worthy of that which we have been weighed worthy of. So what does it mean to please the Lord? And this is just beautiful. And say a few things about this and then we'll come to the table. Do you understand the, the massive concept when Paul says that we have the ability to bring pleasure to our Father? How huge that is? That being made worthy in Christ, putting down our shame, receiving His forgiveness, receiving His love, receiving the gifts of His Spirit, and all the promises that He's made for us in Jesus Christ, as we receive those by faith, we can bring pleasure to our Father. How do we do that? We walk in a way that is worthy of the worth that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. We bring sanity to our thinking about who Christ says we are. We bring sanity to our thinking about what Christ says about our sexuality. We bring sanity to our thinking about what Christ says about our money, about our time, about the gifts and the talents that you've been given. You know, when I was in high school, my brother, who's older than me, uh, wanted a CB radio. And it's funny, my dad, uh, you know, he haggled with this guy and got him a CB radio and we put an antenna outside our house. And I remember when we hooked it up on Christmas Day, you know, for those of you that don't know what a CB radio is, this is going to mean absolutely nothing and I've lost you already, all right? Ask your parents. And uh, so you get on there and you have to have a name. Like you can't, hey, this is Randy. You can't do that. That's not cool. You got to have like, a, you know, a handle is what they call it. Breaker, good buddy. You know, go watch Smokey and the Bandits and you know what I'm talking about, all right? And so he, he came up with a new name. You know, he called himself Gator Bait. I even remember it. That it's such a stupid name, but you know, that was him. And so he had this name and his whole identity on the CB, and he stayed on that CB radio almost for three straight days, talking to complete strangers. Bizarre, isn't it? And it was funny because my dad, at that time, he traded a couch and some other things to get the CB radio. He walked around the house with this big grin on his face for three days. Why? Parents, you know, don't you? We are pleased when our children celebrate our giving to them. When they walk in the gifts that we give them and we see them grow and mature in all that we have dreamed that they would be and hope that they would live their lives as. It's the same with our Father. When we receive His gifts by faith and in that faith now we walk in those gifts, we bring pleasure to our Father. really cool. Almost in every case where, when Jesus healed the lame. Do you know what he said to them? What did he say? Get up. Walk. Next week, we're going to be talking about what this walking looks like when we talk about fruit, growing in knowledge, the power that he's given us, and the journey of giving thanks. But for this week, Here's what I want to ask you to do. We're about to come to this table. This table is a celebration of the worth of our Savior. And we get to taste. We get to, to drink. We get to chew on the reality that He has purchased for us worthiness at this table. That He has taken our sin and He has thrown it as far as the east is from the west. 
my past, my present, my future sins. He has declared me holy, and now he calls my life to living out this holiness into every area of my life, to walk and to please my Father. Here's what I ask you to do. As we prepare to come to this table, would you ask the Lord, Lord, reveal to me those areas of my life that I just don't believe in you. Those areas that I've run to that have kept me from believing the worth that you've made me. Those things that have drawn me away from the value of what you've done for me and lures me away into insane thinking that maybe I can get what I truly hunger for over here. Let him reveal those things to you and receive the grace. Receive the gift of his love for you. Receive the gift of his provision for you. Would you do that? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you right now and ask that you would bless this table, bless this time, meet us here, Father, how desperately we need you. In Christ's name, amen. We're about to come to this table and I want to read for you the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus knew that living out what we just talked about, pushing our lives into hope, believing that we've been made worthy through Christ, and then living a life that is a reflection of that which we believe. We have to remember. We forget so easily. This table is to help us to remember. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. We come here to worship the Lord and to meet him at this table. If you're not a Christ follower, if you've not come to your pl the place in your life to where you finally put down the hope in yourself, and put your hope in the one that is worthy. And receive the worthiness that he has for us that we would be called sons and daughters of the king. If that's not been an experience that you've had so far, then I want to encourage you not to come to this table. This table is not for you. This table is for those that desperately know how much they need this table. If you don't know that, then don't come. You know, Christians are often accused of being hypocrites. And let me let you in on the secret. We are. But we wouldn't ask you to share in our hypocrisy. But stay where you are, or you can go out the door here when others are coming to the table. There are people out there that would love to answer your questions, that would love to talk to you about how today you can enter into that relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We'd love to talk to you about that. But for those of you that are Christ followers, there's also a warning in the text that we just read. And that is the warning of coming to this table half-heartedly. Saying to God, God, I want you, but not over here. There are areas of my life that I just, I just can't give to you. Maybe they're relationship areas. Maybe they're sin areas. Maybe they're areas in your life that you've pretty much said to God, 
yeah, I'm going to play a game with you. I'm going to let everybody around me believe that, man, I am walking in the worthy of Christ, but in reality, there are parts of my life that I've said to you, no. If that's true about you, God says, deal with that first before you come here. Again, there are people outside the door that love to pray with you, talk with you, walk through that with you, and help you understand how to come to this table. Now, let me say this, because some people say, well, I don't know, what, what, is that me? You know, you question everything, and it just gets all muddled up. If you say, Lord, I need you, and I don't know what to do with all this stuff, this table is for you. Now, let's come to the table. So the way we do it here is we're going to start playing music in just a moment. Enter into a time of worship and prayer. And when you're ready, get up from your chair and come on up. Find a kneeler. When you come to the kneeler, uh, when you're ready for us to serve you, put your hands out and we'll serve you. And if you get here and you need us to enter into your experience, then cross your chest and we'll be happy to pray for you while you're up here. Okay? Please pack in. You're among family here. So squeeze in so that we can get as many people on the kneelers as possible. Okay? And if the fire alarm goes off, don't freak out. Remember, we'll do that for you. All right? Let's pray. Father, this morning, we need you to step into our experience. We need you to meet us at this table. We need you to bring healing. Healing of our shame. Healing of the ways that we find it impossible to believe that you gave us worth. Healing, Father, that allows our hope to grow legs and start to walk in the promises that you've made for us that you are faithful healing in the ways that takes our fear away, healing in the way that takes, Father, our worry and cast it out because it has no part with this table because you are Lord. I pray, Father, that you'd meet us here and that, Lord, you would vanquish the sin from our lives. Those empty, shallow ways that we have run, Father, to our insanity, thinking it would give us life, and yet it only robs us of the life that you promise. So, Lord, meet us at this table. Serve us at this table. Love us at this table. In Christ's name, amen.